you know, there's something really sacred about the way we're wired differently in different mm -hmm. genders. And to be able to take that traditional structure of the polarity of the chakras and really feel it and really run with it when we're in queer, you know, <laughs> queer bodies was like kind of mind blowing. Hello, this is Shashi Saluna from Tantra Made Easy. And today I'm super excited to be diving into a topic that is a topic of interest to so many people right now, which is looking at gender and polarity and sexual orientation and how can we apply and explore all of these interesting topics in the world of Tantra. So I am super excited to be inviting in Camila Love, also known as Camila Peace, who is a lifelong student of mysticism and Sufism, she was actually raised with Sufism in her upbringing. And she has become a sacred sexuality practitioner. Uh, she's an Awaken as Love facilitator. She works as a senior love coach. She's also an amazing mediator, relationship coach. She's all about harmonious relating and she particularly loves to curate spaces for the queer community so i'd love to welcome her here hello hello shashi it's an honor to be here thank you for having me uh thanks so much for joining me i'm really excited about diving into today's topics yeah me too <laughs> so um, I love to start my my podcast, my interviews, by finding out a little bit about personal story and your your backstory, especially how you entered the world of tantra um, and how that was also um, for you as a lesbian woman, because you know it's known as a field that's very that can be a bit heteronormative. So love if you could share a bit of your own story. Yeah. Well, I look at Tantra as the intersection of spirituality and sexuality in a lot of ways. And I know what a lot of people don't know, uh, that actually just a small part of Tantra is the sexual piece, right? Of the original 131 meditations, I think six were related to sexuality. But here in our Western world, we've taken Tantra, tantra to be this very sexual thing. <laughs> so understanding that really in the original scriptures, sexuality was just a, a portion, a small portion of Tantra. And really it's a whole embodied practice of a way of living and a way of thinking and a way of breathing. And, and similar to yoga, it's like in our Western world, we've taken yoga to be a series of movements of asanas, but really yoga is this whole philosophy and this whole, this whole meditation on life. So for me, the way I hold Tantra is really an intersection of spirituality and sexuality. And I had a healthy background in both sex positive spaces and spiritual spaces before Tantra came into my life. Oh, perfect. So, yeah, as you, uh -huh. as, as you said, I was, I was raised Sufi. So I had all this deep mysticism, all this deep spirituality in my family background and really took that on as my spiritual practice as a teenager. So it was something that I really grabbed and brought into myself and, and took really seriously as a young person. So I had all this spirituality and all the Sufism. And then I had this, you know, alternative lifestyle in the sex positive world, which for me began through Burning Man um, <laughs> community in the United States. Yeah, yeah. And that was about going back to about 2007 where I got connected to a community there called Camp Beaverton, which was really founded by Reed Mahalko, a, a well-known sex educator, uh -huh. and his lesbian partner. They said, there's no space on the playa, which is Burning Man, for, for queer women. Why don't we have a space for queer women? And so Camp Beaverton was born, and wow. it's to this day the only space that's specifically for queer identified female people and it's a very sex positive camp so there's workshops that are interactive on female ejaculation and female you know vaginal fisting and there's a sex party called a strap on a thon for, for <laughs> queer females so you know there's all these amazing sex positive events and and that was in my early 20s or mid 20s and that, and that was my introduction to sex positivity, which I was living in Oakland and we had a lot of conscious play parties connected to that community. So I had these two avenues that were really strong with sex positive conscious play parties and spirituality and Sufism, but they were very distinct. 
They yeah. were not in any way overlapping in my life. And in some ways there was a little fracture in my being because, <laughs> you know, in my Sufi world, it wasn't sex parties. <laughs> and in my sex party world, there were no Sufis or Muslims. It was like a very distinct world. <laughs> So enter Tantra. I, I did my first ISTA training, ISTA Level 1, International School of Temple Arts. And that was my first time really merging spirituality and sexuality in a very distinct way. And that was five years ago. And at the end, at midway through that week-long training, there was a gorgeous ritual that I was integrating. And I was on my knees in the temple crying, bawling because I had received such strong downloads about how this work is part of why I'm here and what I'm made for in this life. And it was like, you are to do sacred sexual healing work. It was a very, very, very clear download. So I was bawling, receiving that download <laughs> and that would be the beginning for me of, of intersecting these two parts of myself. Wow. But you know, you're like, you, you were so lucky that you ended up in this Burning Man camp. Totally. Um, and as you said, it was the only one just for women, um, yeah. for lesbian women to come together. And something I noticed when I was making my film as I was like Googling lesbian tantra, I wanted to include it in my mm. movie. And I found tons of, of gay for men but I couldn't find for women. So that really struck me of like, wow, this is really missing. So I think you were very lucky, right? Because you fell, fell right into it. But for, um, have you, have you talked with other women in the field, you know, that I think generally maybe there's, it's harder perhaps to find the right entry point. Yeah. You know, this is a new, a, a new strong mission for me. I just moved from San Diego, California to Austin, Texas a few months ago. And now I'm in this new community in Austin and there's a very strong Tantra community here. And that's one of the things that pulled me here. And there's a very strong queer community here, which is another one of the things that really pulled me here. So, you know, I feel this magnetic pulling, calling to move to Austin. I follow the guidance. Here I am. And I'm like, okay, what am I here for? Like, what is the calling that brought me here so strongly? And a big part of the seed that is emerging out of my heart being here in Austin is bringing Tantra facilitated work to the queer community. And I already have a strong lesbian and, and queer female community here. So this is exactly one of the big projects that I'm up to right now is bringing Tantra events to queer community of all genders. I'm, I'm partnering with a, with a man here who is part of the, the gay male Tantra scene and has done a lot of strong work with the gay men and when I first proposed the idea to him a few months ago of, hey, let's expand this to all genders. Let's do queer tantra. He was like, eh. And then a few <laughs> months later, after deepening our connection and doing tantric practices together and sort of dissolving some of the barriers between genders, which we'll be talking about today, he got really enlivened by the idea of doing queer tantra. And wow. we've just formed a group called Queer Tantric Arts, and uh, he's one of my teaching partners, and uh, Robert Skinner. And so Robert and I are, we've already built our first workshop to bring to all genders, folks who identify as queer, to practice tantric arts together. Oh, that's amazing. So could you describe a little bit about what that looks like? You know, like we... If for those who are used to to tantra workshops that are that are more heteronormative, then we expect to have work with men and women sitting together and exchanging energy and so on and so forth. How does this look? And you're talking about people that, that like women who want to be women, men who want to be with men predominantly in their intimate life. So how does it look in the workshop? Yeah, well, I'm excited to explore this from a lot of different angles. And if we talk again in a year, I'll probably have more data points than I have now. <laughs> so a lot of it, a lot of it now is is what I'm imagining. And okay. we'll reconnect and, and, and do a part two later. Um, so one of my really profound recent experiences with my teaching partner, Robert Skinner, we were actually in an Awaken as Love training. And we were doing a tantric breathing exercise together where Robert and I were, were both mostly gay. We'd identify as, you know, mostly gay. 
And now we're finding times where each of us are interested in exploring more eros or sexual connection with a different gender than ourselves, than, than what we're used to in our sexual background. But by and large, we're, we're wired pretty gay, you know? So we're sitting with each other in Yab Yum and we're doing a breathing exercise where probably a lot of our listeners know, but just in case they don't, one of the one of the sort of original ancient teachings has to do with the polarity within each chakra system, that there's either a negative charge or a positive charge in each chakra, and that that's the inverse for males and females. So I'll use the, the sex center as an example. So the sex center chakra is charged positive for a male, meaning his energy is going outward, and it's charged negative for a female, meaning she's in a receptive space in that chakra. And in the heart center, the female's positive charged and the male is negative charged. So that would be normative teachings. Yeah. So just picture, you know, me and this gay man in Yab Yum <laughs> doing the normative breathing pattern. So he's exhaling through his sex. I'm inhaling through my sex. I'm exhaling through my heart. He's inhaling through his heart. And what I noted, this whole experience was like beyond, beyond, beyond what I ever could have anticipated. <laughs> it was like this massive soul opening and like, you know, he and I are both crying. We're both shaking with Kundalini. It was like this whole wild experience. <laughs> and part of it in, in sort of debriefing that afterwards, part of it, I think, is the safety that I felt with him where there wasn't a sexual desire or charge yeah. perceived. Whereas with most men, I'm going to perceive their sexual desire or their sexual charge. And then it's like, there's a way that we navigate that. We're either a yes to it or not. Right. <laughs> but when I was sitting in this exercise with Robert, it was like, we weren't in a sexually charged place with each other. We were in more of like a neutral, open, ready to explore place with each other. So I felt how that allowed my, basically, I felt like I had less barriers and more penetratability <laughs> without needing <clears throat> certain protection. And that was really insightful to me. I was like, oh, when we're teaching in queer spaces, not only do we have the advantage of creating exercises where same-sex couples can be paired with each other and really do that work together. That's one thing I'm really excited about. But <clears throat> a surprise thing I was excited about is we can have folks paired with not necessarily the gender they're usually attracted to sexually, and there is medicine there, lots of medicine there that, you know, there's something really sacred about the way we're wired differently in different mm -hmm. genders. Mm -hmm. And to be able to take that traditional structure of the polarity of the chakras and really feel it and really run with it when we're in queer, you know, <laughs> queer bodies was like kind of mind blowing. <laughs> and then, of course, we switched it. So we did the you know, from my heart chakra, I was receiving and he was giving. And from my sex chakra, I was giving and he was receiving. So, you know, we also messed with the. Yeah. The yeah. And, <laughs> and, and that's available for anybody that's available yeah. for, for heterosexual couples, for heteronormative couples as well. But I think it's more often explored in queer spaces. And I think that's a, a beautiful piece that the heteronormative world can take from the queer world is hey, let's play with these. It's like, yeah, there is the original structure given to us from ancient scriptures and let's play with it. Let's expand it. Let's be creative in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. I mean, what you're sharing, I, I love it so much because it's pointing out that there's like a physical chemistry, you know, there's like the physical level at which we might have a, a choice, a preference, we, or we might be bi, but you know, that's that physical thing, but the energetic is not limited in the same way right it's yeah. more it's more fluid more playful more possibilities and it's not even connect it doesn't even have to be connected to the physical level of attraction i also yeah. love the piece that you bring in about the safety that's something that i notice in my women's groups that many of the women who are normally with men feel so much safer working with women for that reason yeah. you know it's like <laughs> having tantra massage or like there's really like because that that goal orientation is gone and nothing no one's trying to get anything out of me and yeah. so there's that can be very deep surrender so i think it's really great to encourage people to explore different partnerships in tantric meditations there's so yeah. you know there's so much to be explored there 
Yeah, I had no idea that the gay world or the queer world would be a very wonderful place for healing the 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 pain or trauma, whether it's in this life or her hereditary, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, the gay world is a great place to heal the 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 trauma and the pain between the sexes. That's so great. That's like, wow, there's a whole world to to play with there as a facilitator. That's so amazing. So I really love that you're you're stepping out and actually bringing it together because I know uh, I know there's lots of tantra for gay men. There's a big school in it, but it's all for men. And then there's nothing as far as I can see for women apart from you now. But to actually bring them together, I think, is so great because there are things that that are going to be the same, like where you want to polarize as a couple, right? Where one wants to be more penetrative, one wants to be receptive. And that's going to be the same, whether it's man, man, woman, woman. But then also this opportunity to practice together is uh, something that I hadn't thought of before, but it's a a brilliant uh, addition. Yeah. 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 It's like in the in the queer world, there's there's less norms to live by there's more we make it up as we go or we're in the you know creative possibilities and and we choose what we want from sort of infinite possibilities there's more of that yeah than than what folks in heterosexual relationships typically fall into because those grooves are more set culturally and socially and i had a really fun experience with a, a new woman i'm dating who is used to dating men mostly and really interested in dating women more. And so, you know, we meet at a conscious play party and we have a nice connection and we talk and we agree that we want to further this outside of the party. We want to see each other and date and explore. And she reaches out to me like really soon after the play party and she proposes, you know, a date and a time to meet. And she's like, you know, let's go on a date. And I was like, wow, you know, I love the forward communication. This is great. I said, (laughs) yeah, you know, come over. And so we have a date at my house last week. And in that conversation live, she says, well, yeah, I wasn't sure like how masculine to be or how feminine to be. And, you know, I wasn't sure whether to show up in that kind of forward inviting you out on a date or, or be passive and wait for your invitation. And, and, (laughs) and, you know, how would, how should I be? How would you like me to be? And I was like, oh my God, I love that you're thinking about this and really cognizant of it. And my answer is, I want you to be as authentic to what is alive in you as possible moment by moment. There's no rules. I love that your masculine energy came out and invited me on a date. And if that's what's moving you, let that through. And if, you know, a more feminine energy is moving you in another moment, let that through. And it was a, it was a really illuminating conversation because I, I forget that that's what a lot of people are thinking, you know, how should I be? Should I be more masculine? Should I be more feminine? Because in a way we have the ability to regulate what comes through us. And that's the heteronormative training that we're supposed to be more of this or more of that when it comes to masculine and feminine. And I, I think it was eye opening for her, for my response to be whatever comes through. It's all welcome. Like I love the spec. She was like, what do you like? I'm like, I love the spectrum. I love the <laughs> spectrum from masculine to feminine. Yeah, I think it's like, it's something in the tantra world that is like, has got confused and gets dogmatic very easily. I mean, I have been in a tantra school that was very like all men like this, all women like that, women wear this, men do this. It was so mm-hmm. strict in its set of rules, which yeah. didn't really, I mean, I'm pretty yang as a woman. I'm triple fire sign. I'm like, know what I want and go get, I have, you know, I have a lot of yang in me. And I love surrendering, but I found this, this school like very limiting and it's sort of like, you know, and then some of the people in the school would say, oh, you're, you're too and you're masculine. And, you know, I think when it gets, when it gets like that, it's, it's nothing but limitation. And yet there are such gifts from understanding polarity. Like when you understand there's a beautiful game between it, it's, yeah. it can be super fun, but yeah. to then get dogmatic about it and say who should do what then you know, flips over and becomes too limiting. But of course, that's going to be much easier in the queer world because there's more, more playfulness, more possibility, right? And I think that that we can learn <laughs> in, the, in the more heteronormative world. We can learn a lot around being more creative. Actually, I agree. I think more love comes through. More love is expressed when we get out of those rigid 
roles when it comes to yin yang masculine and feminine because there's so much more available than you know the man just doing the man things and the woman just doing the woman things because a piece of life is lost for both when they're in these roles they think they're supposed to be in and there's other ways they want to express themselves that they're not and when we can open that aperture and allow the full range of expression it enlivens us more it's like more life flow more life force in each of us as individuals and then the space and the relationship becomes a lot more robust a lot more creative uh, it allows for the possibility of a broader range of emotions and experiences to come through and i think at the heart of it that's what most of us want in our relationships yeah yeah i really enjoyed when i trained with margot and Anand, um we played the yin yang game and i went i was there with a lover and we each lunch break one person would be yang making the decisions we're going here we're doing this reading and the other one would be yin and would surrender or have boundaries and we switched it up every day and i so enjoyed it like discovering you know different different completely different elements within the same relationship you know it's the yeah. same guy i was with one day I'm riding the scooter and he's on the back <laughs> the next day he is. And yeah. it's like, so I think it's so important in every aspect of relating to be able to have that kind of fluidity, even if there's like a, a preference, there's growth mm -hmm. in the other side, you know, <laughs> and it's yes. good not just to be in the comfort zone, but also to explore, you know, so much terrain. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really cool practice. I remember hearing that on, on your last podcast episode and thinking, oh, that's such a good assignment for folks. <laughs> if we're in a multiple day workshop, it's like have them do that, practice alternating yin and yang roles in a relationship during the breaks. And I think that's a very cool assignment. You learn so much from it. You really do. It's it's brilliant. You know, it's and really brilliant. It's so, like you know, these days, I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit more like here we are talking about polarity, right? We're talking about one penetrating, one receiving energetically or physically. We're talking about the yin and the yang. Um, so we're sort of acknowledging these forces. And these days there's such a big discussion wanting to be like non-binary. This is the big, you know, this is a, a new phrase that the millennials yeah. have really come up with. Um, and this, there's, you know, there's a lot of excitement about new possibilities. There's also a lot of confusion. And, um, you know, what's, what's your take on all of this? Like it, the, the positives, but the confusion, you know, what do you think is going on? Yeah. Mm, it's, it's a very, it's a very apt topic for my personal life. And I think it's very generational and I'll explain what I mean. People older than, so I, one of the things I do is I perform as a drag king, which is, a very lesbian culture. It's like these are these are female bodied people who are choosing to impersonate males on stage and you know it, it's the opposite of drag queening. Some people are like what what the heck is a drag king? It's like okay, well it's the opposite of a drag queen. It's a female bodied person dressing as a male on stage and performing. And <clears throat> I have some folks in my drag king troupe that are older lesbians, you know, from an older generation. And in that world it was very like gay, straight and maybe bisexual came a little later in their in their world. And it's like, I'm explaining to these old butch women, you know, what gender non-binary means and gender fluid. And it's like, it just doesn't really register in, in a lot of them. And they don't really care for it. They're like, I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense. I don't need it. I don't care. Like I'm a lesbian, you know? <laughs> and then, so I feel like I'm, I'm sort of age, I'm, I'm 40 now. So it's like age wise, I feel like I'm right between these two very different worlds where the younger folks, the millennials, you know, I have friends who have kids that are that are in the high school or in college. And especially in California, it's like almost everybody identifies as poly. Almost everybody identifies as gender nonconforming and queer, under the queer umbrella. And I'm like, wow, like, look at young people these days. It's it's like it's become normative yeah. to be poly and queer. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, like in the middle... <laughs> I was raised in a way and like, God bless my parents. They allowed me to dress in all boys clothes as a kid for years and to have only boys haircuts. And I got misgendered all the time. People would ask my mom, what's your son's name? And she'd say, it's my daughter and her name is Camila. And again, that was the binary world. It's like, you're a girl or a boy, you know, in the eighties, in the you early so ahead 80s. of the game. 
I, yeah, and you know, my parents are ahead of the game. I give them so much credit because I've looked at this a lot. If I was, if my gender expression was really suppressed and really judged when I was young in my family, I probably would have wanted to transition genders. Yeah, this is a really interesting topic to me because the fact that I was allowed to express myself in a what we would call now a gender non-binary or gender non-conforming way, I felt whole inside myself. Like, this is who I am. I'm a girl body who looks like a boy. And that's what I was then. And that's basically what I am now. You know, I still get misgendered in the bathroom in Latin American countries in particular when I travel, you know? <laughs> You know, and I'm like, I, I have breasts. I'm a woman. <laughs> so, but, but then I look at, you know, my trans friends and it's like a big part of the experience is they weren't allowed or, or they were strongly judged or strongly outcast or strongly suppressed in how they wanted to do their gender expression. And so they were left with, I have to be this other gender in a, in a binary world in order to be closer to how I want to express myself. Right. I and get I, it. And my caveat is I'm not speaking as a trans person. I'm not speaking for the trans community. I know this doesn't fit every trans person's story. And so I want to yeah. really credit that too. There are, there are certainly trans people that are very clear they want to transition and it has nothing to do with feeling suppressed in their expression. They just very clearly feel wrong in the body they're in and want to So I so honor that yeah. too. Um, and many trans folks I've talked to, this is how they feel. It's like there wasn't room for them to be themselves in the gender they were assigned at birth. So they felt like they had to switch genders and then there was more room for them to express themselves the way they wanted to be. Yeah. So again, it's like that limitation around polarity. Like polarity is a fun thing to play with. It's like a game. But if it becomes dogmatic and it has to be this way or that way, then it becomes this limitation that actually suppresses creativity. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to get back to your question, it's like, what's happening now? Well, now it is becoming more, you know, Neo-Tantra, one of the big differences between traditional Tantra, classical Tantra and Neo-Tantra is this whole bit about transcending heteronormativity and transcending gender binary setups. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people are attracted to Neo-Tantra now is because we're playing with the range within gender expression and we're not fixed in these, you know, male, female only pairings for pujas and exercises. Yeah. And we're, I, I mean, you and I, and many of us, we see it everywhere. It's like most of my friends now identify as pansexual yeah. people, my age in my, in my, in my peer group. So would you, would you define that for people that are new to that term? Cause it's, a yeah. So my understanding of being pansexual is it falls within the sexual orientation category. So a person who identifies as pansexual says I'm open to exploring erotic sexual connection with people of any gender identity. Mm -hmm. So it's not based in I, I'm into male people or I'm into female people. I'm in, I'm, I'm possibly into anyone. Yeah. My, 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 my erotic energy is not based in a gender yeah. identity. It's based in the, the human. Connection. You know, I, when I was many years ago in Pune, um, I had a dear woman, a dear friend that I was hanging out with and she, I, I was 20 or something. And I remember she would say, I'm not homosexual. I'm not heterosexual. I'm just sexual. That yeah. stuck with me so deeply. It's like, like boom. And that moment I'm like, Oh, that's liberating, you know, like, yeah. don't have to be wondering, do I fit in here? Do I fit in there? And how am I meant to be? And it, and, and it makes you realize exactly what you're saying, that we take yeah. so many assumptions and limitations. There are so many boxes and definitions that we're trying to fit ourselves into that, yeah. you know, are so limiting, actually. Yeah. Even as you say, these like older generation lesbian women, it's still, there's still certain categories <laughs> that you, yeah. you can put yourself into and yeah. so this new movement of of pansexual is dropping all of that away and just being like i have sexual energy and let's see who and where and how it wants to express itself yeah which i ironically it, it's like that's shifting both the hetero previously hetero identified people as well as the previously gay identified people it's like I'm experiencing myself in the last few years of doing more and more Tantra work, more openness and more desire to connect with male-bodied people. Mm. 
So it's happening for me as well as for folks that were in these heteronormative grooves and now they're open to, you know, play with same sex or, or similarly identified gender people. So it is affecting everyone in my observations. Yeah. And, and the beauty is right. Like really finding soul connections and it being less about the body, the physicality, the, the, the junk (laughs) and more about, you know, the energy that's running between us and, and we can play with any bits, any parts. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, like I notice when energy's running, if the mind comes in and tries to work, wait, hang on, hang on a minute. This is a woman. I'm a woman. Or, you know, like, or I'm a man or I'm this or I'm that. Then we just try, we try and block that energy. But if we stay with the energy, energy flows wherever, you know, wherever it's flowing, wherever we allow it to, wherever healing and transformation can happen. So it's, you know, it's, it's transformative. Are you familiar with a practice called Ladihan? Yeah. The Nadihan version? (laughs) So I I think, yeah, I think this was coined by Lori Handlers, um, one of my favorite Tantra teachers and mentors. And so Ladihan is, is this, this movement meditation or dance where we're, we're blindfolded and we're, we're moving in, in really gentle touch with other people. And so as a blindfolded, it, it takes away some of the awareness of a person's sex or a person's gender. And then what Lori created is called Naughty Han. So it's like, okay, let's do the, the blindfolded moving meditation practice, but let's be, you know, naked and have more of the body parts available for, for touch and, and more possibility for erotic energy running. And I just did a, a Naughty Han practice a couple of weeks ago. And, and it was like, this was one of the times in my life that I really noticed more of my own dissolving the boundaries around what kind of touch I think I want from male or female bodied people or, or trans people. And it's like, we, we get to merge into this, you know, this blind experience of feeling the energy with a person as almost like the first thing we're feeling rather than what our visual field does is it perceives, okay, this body type, this age, this gender and sex. And so I think Nadi Han, you know, my hat off to Lori, Nadi Han is a really cool practice for helping people move beyond gender, physicality, sexual orientation, and really feel the energy connection that's available between beings. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really about moving beyond limitations, isn't it? It's like the, the boxes, the preset ideas, the identifications that we have, they have a place, of course, but we can also move beyond them. I think actually James um, from uh, Awaken as Love, I remember him calling it undifferentiated eros, yeah. giving it this name that is differentiated, like intentional, like, okay, I identify as this and you identify as that and this is my choice. And then there's the undifferentiated, which is like, I have no idea even who I'm touching. I'm just dissolving into this pleasure and into this and into the energy and into the connection. And there's such an immense surrender. And it, of course, it's so beyond the mind as well. So it can be a very beautiful experience. Absolutely. And I think it's hard for people who haven't had any access to that type of activity to even imagine it. It's like, how, how could I ever open myself to to whomever, right? Without even knowing. And, and it is, it's an advanced practice. And, you know, with the building blocks that got us to this place where we are practicing undifferentiated arrows moving, it, it, it opens a really incredible world of what's available as far as connection. And I think a lot of us have different moments of, of grief or sadness around where our visual field or our, our judgments around age, body type, sex, gender, where they create so many closures of even exploring the potentiality of connection. Yeah. Yeah. And this is to me actually where the whole pansexual popularity comes from. It's like we're breaking down our barriers and we're becoming more and more open to the energy exchange between beings. Yeah. And that's, ultimately a pansexual identification yeah yeah it's really revolutionary when you when you think about it <laughs> it is <laughs> i and think also 
hearing you speak, I also see how the world of Tantra or Tantric practices bring so much to people who are exploring gender and, you know, beyond limitations, because we keep talking about energy, right? And if we're just focused on the physical level of connection and sexuality, it keeps us a lot more limited in many ways. And when we go into energy, it's beyond the body and beyond even needing to see and even beyond touch. Sometimes you can still feel energy. So it, it's also, there's a big place. I feel actually for the next generation who, like you say, are quite radical with their, like, we're not going to be stuck in these little boxes. It's really like a rebellion. I feel the next generation are like, you know, that's, that's so old fashioned. And now we're going to pull down all the limitations but at the same time they don't necessarily have all the tools and i think um i think tantra can be really bring a lot to that next generation yeah i'm sure you will be one of the ones who's really bringing it to them thank you i'm excited (laughs) about it (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so i have some questions we're chatting away through here is there anything else that i um yeah great i'm covering everything we're covering Sweet. everything. I haven't even looked at my questions and we're going everywhere. <laughs> so I think I would like to maybe wrap up with, with looking for people who are listening to this who maybe haven't, ex- haven't explored beyond, you know, the box that they feel comfortable in, but are listening to this and thinking, well, I am curious what else there is to my sexuality. Um, so, yeah, what would you what, what would you guide them to explore uh, as you know, as a way to explore out of the box? Yeah, I think the the category, the umbrella of neo tantra is is certainly the way to go for folks who want to break down the the traditional roles that they learned culturally and societally. Um, because neo tantra is the space where we're we're messing with those roles. We're saying we don't need to be in those roles. Let's explore other creative ways of expression. So. Uh, for folks who are interested in this, it, you know, finding the Tantra workshops in your local area and taking a workshop with or without a partner is a great idea. And there's also a lot of resources available online or in books that people could start doing some practices at home with with their partner to to start to learn how to run polarities dis- different from the heteronormative polarity running and just play with it, just have fun with it, explore, allow it to be creative fun. Yeah. So when you're saying it, the opposite, so you were sharing earlier, like the the male body exhaling and sending energy out of the lingam, out of the sex, yeah. and the female mm-hmm. body sending energy out of the heart mm-hmm. to practice doing it that way and then practice reversing mm-hmm. with the breath mm-hmm. and then exploring that maybe with different partners. Yeah, like male-bodied people, you know, the obvious hole for receptivity in a male's body is the anus. And there's certainly a lot of beautiful work that can be done with with anal penetration and and prostate exploration um, and a lot of pleasure that can come from a male's prostate. And for men who aren't interested in physical penetration in their anus, I've had male-bodied people tell me that their perineum is is the place where they feel deep receptivity. They feel like their perineum meaning like between the testicles and the anus, there's a little soft tissue spot there. And, and men have told me that their perineum feels like their yoni feels like their vagina, their, their etheric vagina. So, so if it's a male, female partnership and, and they want to explore more the female penetrating and the male receiving, and for whatever reason, the male doesn't want physical penetration in his anus, they can play with that, that little spot on the flesh, the perineum and, and the female can do some some pushing, you know, conscious, conscious, physical pressure with, with her finger or, 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 or any body part really, or a toy. Um, and, and the male can play with what it feels like to receive pressure and touch from, from this sensitive area on the skin. Yeah. Yeah. And of course a female can put on a strap on if she really wants to embody her, her lingam, her cock energy and can penetrate her male and his ass. You know, I think a lot of heterosexual couples are are now finding that this is a really fun exploration to do pegging. Um, and 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 there's ways that it can be done, like I said before, with with fingers on the perineum if if cock play is not what the couple wants to be doing. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's so valuable for uh, for heterosexual men to receive at least anal massage because <laughs> you know like if we don't receive or practice the opposite then we don't really know how it feels right and I notice that men who receive anal massage especially where you can really look in their eyes and and they realize how vulnerable it is to be penetrated right and and so i also think there's deep value even if you do have a preference for one way it's so helpful to like literally put yourself in the other's shoes and feel how it is to be the penetrator or the penetrated to feel the the there's vulnerability in both of course but to feel both sides so that we have a lot more empathic understanding of how it is for our partner right i massively agree yeah that example you gave of the male receiving penetration to understand the vulnerability in that and then ideally he brings that with him when he's back in a penetrator role so he's very keenly aware of the vulnerability his partner's experiencing as he's penetrating his partner and i'm going to use a dance example to illustrate the inverse uh i i do some latin dancing like salsa and merengue and bachata and it's all partner dancing with a very distinct you know leader and follower there's there's two really clear roles in latin dancing and traditionally the males leading the females following and i really wanted to learn to lead so i found some queer salsa classes and it was so awesome because it was like whatever gender didn't matter the teacher's like okay who's leading today who's following today and it yeah. might be different you know different in other class so sometimes i'd be leading like some really tall gay man you know and and it was so fun and so i got to learn what it's like to be in the leading role in partner dancing which requires way more being on top of it it's like you've got to yeah. be mentally and embodied cued in a step ahead the whole time yeah at least that's how it felt as a beginner learning it's like i need to be a step ahead the whole time and they're surrendering to me like i'm in charge i'm driving the vehicle they're the vehicle whereas in some ways it's easier just to surrender as the follower it's like i'm I'm just going to really tune into my surrender and they're going to lead me and twirl me all around Whereas if I'm driving, it's like, I need to know where the roads are and where I'm turning and how to turn the turn signal on. And yeah, I came away from that. right? Yes. I Big came time. away from that with so much respect yeah. and so much like, reverence for male <laughs> dancer leaders. I was like, wow, there's a whole world there that I didn't know and I didn't respect and, and honor. <laughs> So the same in sexuality. It's like if a if a female is taking charge and 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 she's not used to taking charge, there's a whole world of what that means, the responsibility and being yeah. attuned to the other person's experience and 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 being nimble to flow with what they're wanting and not wanting and perceiving that and communicate, encouraging them to communicate. Yes. So I think it's incredibly valuable to to switch roles, if you will. I totally agree. And I, you know, sometimes when I look at what we're healing culturally, I feel like mo, mo like just to be general, but a lot of men when they were boys were told not to be vulnerable, don't cry, and don't show your emotions. And a lot of little girls were taught not to show their power. You know, don't show your anger, yeah. don't show your power. And so, how are we going to learn that? You know, like one mm-hmm. of I think a big part of the masculine path has got to. For, people in male bodies is to actually discover their vulnerability and their surrender and so things like anal massage or receiving energetically are ways to bring that missing piece as for women like if we always stay in the surrendered role we're not going to get empowered and that's such a big part to reclaim like we're all here to become whole and tantra ultimately of course is about union of shiva and shakti the union of masculine and feminine within each of us it's not just about the external act it's about the internal union as well and so it's it's important that we can experience all these different um, expressions of life Mm -hmm. one of the things i really love about yin and yang is like in taoism it's called a relative term and so Mm -hmm. you are neither yin nor yang as a person Mm -hmm. and so i you know i really got that they're like when i'm with like a big israeli man I'm relatively yin, you know, yeah. like the guy out of the army. And I'm like, oh, when I'm with my young Japanese girlfriend, I'm super yang, you know, like yeah. <laughs> Japanese are like so soft and sweet and feminine. I get to feel my yang. 
And I really love that. I like to have different connections and relationships where I can experience different facets of myself and not just one, you know, one facet. It it makes a more whole experience of life as well Mm -hmm. as as of, you know, of yourself not getting stuck Mm -hmm. in the Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that too. And I think I haven't really used the word spectrum yet, but but the whole point behind this whole conversation we're having is that gender is on a spectrum and sexual orientation is on a spectrum. And we used to have it very binary that there were two ends of the spectrum, maybe, you know, one in the middle for bisexual. But now it's like we're flushing out the whole spectrum and people are allowing themselves to find themselves in different places on the spectrum. And not only that people are sort of unlocking out of the binary systems, but also that we are allowing ourselves to be on different parts of the spectrum at different times in our life and or in different relationships, like you said. So you find yourself in different parts of the masculine, feminine, yin, yang expression, depending on who's on the other side. And, and, and yes, like that is the stuff that I love playing with too. And that's so fun. I mean, it's, you know, my, my current partner and I, we have different countries and whenever we're in one of my places like Thailand, Bali, I get to be the one like choosing where we go and what we do when we're in his place, like he drives and I get to like sit and be taken. And you know, it's like fun to have the totally different dynamics in our, in our relationship. And then there's times when we both want to drive. (laughs) There are the countries (laughs) where we're like, I'm driving. No, I'm driving. But it's, it's really like sexuality, you know, of like, experiencing ourselves from both sides from all sides from the entire and how do you how do you resolve it if you're both wanting to take the reins ah well the one of our biggest arguments ever was in goa about who was driving the motorbike home it's amazing (laughs) how big that that was like about nothing really (laughs) that's our yangs coming together that's like both of us in our yang that's not a good combination you know they say in taoism like yin and yin is like a river so when you're both yin you just flow together and when there's one yin one yang like the river flows around the rock when there's two yang (laughs) we're the same if we play cards or something like we can we can both get really like in our yang but it's fun to me like that too you know it's it's another part of life's expression (laughs) yeah it's true yeah (laughs) so yeah i so love this conversation and um it's so brilliant to discuss this topic and i'm so super glad to finally find someone who's who's making this space for women as i was really searching hard for that what are you hoping to see happening in the future do you have visions for for the world of tantra and the world of conscious sexuality Yeah, one of my, so as a mediator, one of the things that I've been very consciously aware of is my innate desire for harmony in the, in the world around me. And I come from a family of peace activists, you know, in my parents' generation, they protested the Vietnam war. And, and when I was in college, I was protesting, you know, Iraq's invasion, you know, the Iraq wars. And so it's like, there's this big social justice part of my life and my family life. And, and I'm connected to Palestine deeply. And so I've done some, some work in Israel and Palestine, as far as peace work and mediation work. And I look at that conflict, specifically the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as, you know, one of the hearts of the planet and one of the hearts of human conflict. And a few years ago, it came to me like a thunderbolt. I was in Israel doing my ISTA practitioner training. And at that time, a few years ago, the first couple Palestinians to have done ISTA with Israelis is like a really big deal because we're doing, you know, brotherhood rituals and sisterhood rituals and I mean, for anybody who understands the the complexity of that conflict, like, can you imagine an Israeli and a Palestinian man, you know, grabbing each other's forearms and saying, I've got your back, brother. Yeah. And they've literally been shooting at each other and jailed by each other for, you know, multiple generations. So I started getting the sense of what was happening there and, and speaking with some of my friends who were Palestinians who did ISTA. And I, it came to me like, 
of all the piecework happening in the Middle East, we haven't brought the the sacred sexuality piecework yet. Mm. Like imagine what's available when we start bringing the sacred sexuality to help heal trauma, to help create connections, to help transcend identities and borders and norms. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a tender thing. I mean, I'm I'm no I'm no idiot around the complexities of this conflict and the religious components and everything like that. So it's not like a pie in the sky. Oh yeah, well, let's just bring some sacred sex work into Israel and Palestine and it'll solve everything. But in a deep way, like in a deep, deep, deep intuitive way, I actually think there is a huge amount of peace and harmony available through bringing sacred sexuality into the Middle East. And I know how risky and outside the box that is with the religious experiences of the people in the Middle East. And um, it actually reminds me of the the community in Portugal called Tamara, which was founded by Germans. And, you know, they do international peacework. And I've spent time at Tamara. And, and one of the big sort of quotes that comes out of that body of work is to create peace on the globe, we need to create peace between the sexes. Ah. And so they do a lot of wow. that, like, conflict resolution work within couples, within the sexes. Yeah as well as global scale piecework. And so I actually have a really deep vision around how sacred sexual healing work can deeply impact global piecework and harmony work. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. I feel, I feel really activated and like tingling and something I really love in the body of Tantra is a forgiveness ritual, you know, where men and women can represent all men and all women and, and clear and, 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 and forgive each other. And sometimes I sit when I'm holding that and I think this is it. I just want to, I should do this everywhere. We need to have thousands of people doing this. Like we need to get over the past pains and we need to be able to forgive. And this work is so life-changing. So I'm, it's really beautiful to hear your vision Mm -hmm. and, um, and yeah, and also feeling those places where there really is, you know, war going on. It's literally, yeah. can we make love instead of war? And, literally, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and all it. of this work that we've, everything you've been talking about really is about that. Like just visually, whether we're saying male, female, or Palestinian, Israeli, or black, white, whatever we are looking at that's totally binary and and creating separation from tantra can help us transcend that like moving into the energy body moving beyond separation moving into a world of latihan and undifferentiated eros all of these things can blow our mind and blow our limitations yes well i fully support you in doing that work Mm. i (laughs) i really want to see this happen and um yeah i'm really sharing and holding that vision with you Thank you. We're doing it. I see you as a major global partner in this global tantric harmonization activation work. So thank you deeply, sister, brother, sister, for all the work that you're doing. I I find you to be a very powerful teammate in this movement. (laughs) It is such a joy to connect and share with you. Thank you so much for all the wisdom you shared and for all the work you do in the world. You're welcome. Thank you. And uh, in the in the links with this podcast, please have a look and you'll find links to find more of Camila's work. Thank you. 